2: 10 throwing in zone
0: spectacular catch they're saying it's a catch touchdown you see most gamblers when they go to gamble they go to win oh my god that's incredible <laughs> big bank small bank i like to make money all right that is the ultimate kibosh you want to bet <laughs> and we are underway
3: Welcome to the Action Network Podcast with Odds presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Chris Raybon. This is your week 14 betting preview. And I got my dude, as always, with me, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky Stuck. What's going on? How was your week 13? Winning NFL week.
2: There's some good and bad at the Vikings against the Lions here. I was able to buy that out. For a little bit when Thielen went down. I mean, that their entire advantage, having Thielen and Jefferson go against that secondary, basically just went away. And they really paid for it the red zone and third downs. I'm glad that we both avoided because I joined you on the Seahawks. We avoided overtime with the Seahawks and Steelers. Yeah. Oh. I just, I mean, those were the, I think, the right sides, but I don't want to deal with any more underdogs in overtime. And then I just, I ended it. I Still a winning week, but I ended it on a sour note with the Broncos just turning it over. I mean, a muff punt, turning over three times in Chiefs territory, and then the Bills turning it over two times inside the Pats 20 with zero points to end the game and miss a 30-yard field goal just in crazy conditions. And part of my handicap there was that Mac Jones wasn't going to be able to throw with his arm in those conditions, and then Allen would. Obviously, that came to fruition. I mean, the Patriots have won a long run. Other than that, they averaged 3.3 yards per carry. Their success rate was awful. The defense for the Bills was fine. But Allen looked okay throwing the ball. Obviously, there was going to be some win. I don't know what the Bills were thinking on some of the first down runs that were just never working. The only time they were moving the ball is when they threw the ball on first down. And every time they got down into the red zone, the one time they threw it on first down, they threw a touchdown. They would have these first down runs and just waste downs. And I think it was just awful play calling by the Bills. That was an unfortunate loss. But uh, as Mike Tomlin said last week. Last week
3: was last week. This week was this week. And next next week, week will be, be next week. week. That was Mike Tom uh, by the way improved to 30 and 8 against the spread as an underdog against the opponent with an equal or better record. So yeah, he, he was yeah, gloating was a little crazy. bit after that. I like this press conference. I love the Woo! false enthusiasm. I'm gonna see if we can make one of you guys quit today. Like I, I still feel like People still shit on analytics too much because I felt like I don't know what that I think was kind of a jab at analytics. I don't know. But either way, it was an enjoyable week. I had a pretty good week, too. Um, But yeah, let's get on to the next one. And I do feel like, by the way, the Broncos were the right side. I I played them as well. Anytime you can hold the Chiefs to 22 points um, and you have a plus nine and a half. I think I actually bought up to plus 10. Like you feel good about it. So
2: finished with yeah 404 yards to the Chiefs,
3: 267. So I would play that again. But what are you going to do? Yeah, just Teddy Bridgewater's fourth against the spread loss as a road dog, 20 and four now. Let's get into the pod. Uh, before we kick things off with our Thursday night preview and our Sunday six pack and all that good stuff, uh, three quick reminders. First, if you plan to bet on any sport ever and you still have not downloaded the free award winning Action Network app, what are you doing? It's got betting tools, it's got analysis from myself, Stucky, the whole Action Network team. And most importantly, it lets you track every bet that you make. Second, if you need to reference our Sunday six-pack picks anytime, all you have to do is use the Action app, follow Sunday six-pack in the follow feature. We use that account to track our picks there every Friday. And finally, the Action Network store just released its new collection of holiday merch. Lots of fun stuff is now available for you or the favorite gamblers in your life. So visit store.actionnetwork.com to find the perfect gift For all of the sports bettors on your list, that's store.actionnetwork.com. All right, let's get to it stuck. Let's get you cracking with Thursday Night Football.
1: It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday Night Football.
3: Okay, so we have the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that I love to bet. We have the Minnesota Vikings, another team that I love to bet, which is ironic because I feel like both of their fans probably hate their teams right now, Uh, even though Pittsburgh got that win. I mean, it's just up and down roller coasters. They feel like they're dead every other week. Uh, But Minnesota favored by three uh, at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, with a total of 43. You have Thielen ruled out. And stuck. It's interesting to me because on one side, you have Mike Zimmer coming off a loss, just a heartbreaking, gut wrenching, probably season altering loss to the previously winless Lions. But he's 34 and 17, 67% against the spread in his career off a loss, including 15 and 11 as a favorite. That's 65%. Uh, he's also 16 and 5 against the spread off a multi game losing streak. That's 76%. And then on the other side, you got Mike Tomlin who's still 39 and 16 with two pushes against the spread as an underdog from week three on that's 71%. And Mike Zimmer, he's only three and 11 against the spread as a favorite uh, from 2020. So I guess the trends kind of still lean toward Tomlin as the dog year, but I, the line is about right to me. I, I do worry about the Vikings without Thielen. So gun to my head, I'd probably take the Steelers. Uh, but what do you think?
2: Without Thielen, it's just, you know, and I don't think Dalvin Cook is is playing either. Is that has that been updated?
3: He's got a chance because he did practice on a limited basis. I thought he was going to be out for sure. They were saying it's week to week, but they're at least going through the motions of him. You know, having some limited practices, so he's he hasn't been officially ruled out at least not as we record this on Wednesday afternoon.
2: Yeah, I don't think he's going I don't think he's gonna play. But yeah, just without Thielen, it is a completely different passing attack because you're basically swapping in. You know, KJ Osborne for Adam Thielen. And that hurts you on third downs. That hurts you in the red zone. We saw that last week against the Lions. It also enables you to put more attention on Justin Jefferson. So this, all of a sudden, this offense, the strength has been Cousins and these two dynamic receivers. And then you saw it against a terrible Lions secondary last week, that without feeling, it's just, they're a lot easier to defend. On the other side of the ball, the Pittsburgh offense is still ugly. It's still hard to watch. And, the Vikings defense is getting a lot healthier, right? They've gotten healthier. should be getting healthier at linebacker this week. They got healthier on defensive line over the past couple of weeks. Peterson should be back. So it's hard to see the Steelers doing much. This total has come down. It is on a fast track indoors. This Steelers offense, I don't see it doing much against the Vikings and without feeling, I don't see the Vikings doing much. I would look at, you know, if I had to play this game, I might, I would take the under, and then if you can get like a, a free hook, like plus three and a half, minus one ten, which isn't out there yet, I wouldn't hate that. Um, these are two desperate teams. Loser of this game is probably out of the playoffs. You know, looking at what are the well, the
3: Steelers are, the Steelers are in. Not they're not in terrible shape if they lose because. I personally, and a little teaser, but I know we're going to disagree on the Ravens, but I I think the Bengals are going to lose this week. And I think the Browns are going to lose this week. So the Steelers actually might not be buried yet, but that's for for the six pack discussion.
2: Yeah. I mean, if they get the six, six and one, if they lose this game, I mean, the Ravens just need two wins to get to 10, including a home win over this against the, the home game against the Steelers to close out the year. Yeah. So, I mean, the Steelers have Tennessee, then they're at Kansas City, then they're home against Cleveland at Baltimore. I mean, a brutal schedule coming up. So I think they need to win this game. Minnesota is actually not dead yet either, but they need to win this game. I think if they lose this game, they're dead. Because you got to remember that they also don't have the tiebreaker with San Francisco, which could be huge, right? Because they lost straight up to San Francisco. They still have a trip to Green Bay. They have the Rams left, and they have two games against the Bears. So you lose this game, I think the, the Vikings have done so. Two desperate teams. I think the Vikings are a little bit of a better team, but without feeling, really hurts their offense. I think that this line should be maybe a, a hair under three. Total should be like 42-ish. So a little bit of value on the under. And then I think that there's a little bit of value on the Steelers if you can get plus three and a half minus one ten, which I don't necessarily think that we're gonna get. So this looks like something, a game that I'll stay away from. I will also, I mean, if you want to get involved and have some action on it, I wouldn't hate a Steelers teaser. If you wanted to tease the Steelers from three to nine with some of the teaser options we'll talk about later, I think that's fine, especially at a low, you know, low total, low scoring game. And the Vikings. Have played every single one of their games except one has been decided by one possession, and that of course was, it was the Seahawks three against the Seahawks. Of um, course, because so that's I, 2021. You know, <laughs> th- that might be your best route to tease this up, you know, with a you know a very low total in a game that I think should be ultimately close.
3: Yeah, you have this, you know, Mike Tomlin uh, historically these defenses have traveled you know the Steelers defense a little banged up but when the total is above 43 and the Steelers are on the road in Tomlin's career 44 17 and one 72 percent the under is hit so it's it's sitting right around that that 43 43 and a half number uh depending on what book you're at but just thought I'd throw that in there uh you do usually yeah see I mean sit- games here.
2: situationally also there is a it is a yeah you know, I, I think the Steelers are desperate enough that that washes this out but situationally this spot favors the vikings a bit i mean they're the i think the better team small they're favorite home. they're at home on a short week and they're coming off a devastating you know embarrassing loss whereas the Steelers are coming off like a hard-fought win huge win against their rival traveling on a short week in a in a really tough environment and a you know primetime game in minnesota will have be very loud and have, you know, the home field is diminishing with each passing day, but uh, this won't be an easy place to play in pretty, pretty efficiently line game.
3: Like just gut feel, I think the Steelers win this game because I know Kirk Cousins. I like Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins is probably prime time. Prime time Kirk. Kirk, That's one, but not only that, you know, what Kirk Cousins does when he makes the right read, that's going to be not the recipe for success when, you only have Justin Jefferson. Like you can get away with it when you have Thielen and Jefferson. And then if both of them are doubled, the right read is going to like the third guy. It's like, okay, well, at least you're getting single coverage, you know, Conklin and Osborne haven't been like the worst third, you know, tight end and third receiver. They've been, they've been serviceable, but it's like, now you take that away. And like, you know, if cousins moving off Jefferson, It's Osborne, it's Conklin, it's D.D. Westbrook. I mean, it's probably not Dalvin Cook, you know, as a check down. So it's just, it's going to be real frustrating for Vikings fans. Like Vikings fans are probably dreading this game more than Steelers fans are dreading this game, even though the Steelers are the dog here. Like, I'll tell you that much. My kids want to have a good Christmas. Let's move on to the six pack. Let's do it. Let's get into the week 14 Sunday six pack, courtesy of our friends at Athletic Brewing Company.
1: For steeper action, let's crack open the Sunday Six-Pack.
3: All right, Stux, been a tight race, 40-39. I'm up by a point here uh, for people unfamiliar. Two points for each of our first two picks, one point for the third, and then we get a point for the total, which we'll do in the next segment. Uh, we can pick the same game as long as we're on different sides, but we can't make the same pick. So uh, I am up first this week. I will start it off with my first pick of the week 14 Sunday six pack. Going with the San Francisco 49ers minus one at the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, this line, hopefully you saw me posted in the app. Uh, I actually got it at a plus two. Uh, It's up to minus one. I'm still going to roll with it for the contest, but, uh, not quite as much value. Uh, I still think the Niners win this game, which is why I'm still taking the minus one here. But I look at this Niner team, and both of these teams, by the way, are, are banged up. So, uh, you know, people, you could probably make a case for each side in terms of, oh, this guy's hurt for this team. This guy's hurt for that team. But what it comes down to, for me, is a couple of things. Number one, San Francisco is just a better team. You have a close spread here. San Francisco's their seventh in overall DVOA. Cincinnati's 19th. San Francisco's offense doesn't get enough credit. You know, they started off a little shaky and they were trying to mix Trey Lance and Shannon had openly admitted that that was kind of slowing him down in terms of his play calling. He wasn't at his best when he was trying to mix in uh, Lance because he's a guy that kind of reads, you know, sets up a play with a play later. And it just, they, they get different coverages when it's Jimmy G versus Lance. So that's really helped this offense come together. They're fourth in pass DVOA and sixth in run DVOA. Uh, and that's not a fluke because the big edge San Francisco has in his game is in the trenches. Uh, you look at their PFF grades uh, on the offensive line. They're third in run blocking. They're seventh in pass blocking. Cincinnati is 16th in run blocking, 23rd in pass blocking on offense. So uh, that's why, if you look at these two offenses, you might think Cincinnati's more talented, uh, which they probably are. I mean, you got Jamar Chase, you got Burrow, you got Higgins. Um, but the issue is the line has the blocking hasn't been as good. And that's what's holding Cincinnati back. But San Francisco has a top six offense here. And then San Francisco is one of only two teams in the NFL that's been better than the Bengals in red zone offense. San Francisco's number one, Cincinnati's number three. So I always say you need to score to beat Cincinnati. They're going to put points on the board. Uh, they have, they have talent on offense, but my issue for Cincinnati is yes, I know San Francisco's banged up. Debo probably won't play. Mitchell's in a protocol. Hopefully he gets cleared. San Francisco can still run on anyone with any back because of their line and their scheme. But Mitchell's been excellent, so I do hope he's back. But running backs really aren't worth much to the spread, if anything, except, like, Derrick Henry, maybe Taylor. But you look at Cincinnati, and my, why, what really concerns me for them is Joe Burrow's finger injury because we've seen this before. You know, the finger injury, Taysom Hill gets a finger injury, throws four picks. Like, Taysom Hill, never a great passer, but four picks, he's usually a guy, like, he's not going to turn the ball over like that. Uh, we have seen Russell Wilson come back probably too early from a finger injury, and it still, it you know took him another three weeks to get right uh, from that. And now Burrow, you know he's going to play through. It. He's a tough guy, but we all saw him on the sideline. Um, you know that that's obviously bothering him. He didn't have a very good game after injuring the finger, and on top of that, T Higgins isn't practicing. That's big because that's. He's been he's been more productive than Jamar Chase lately, and he's allowed, you know, defenses are kind of zeroing in on Chase. He's allowed the Bengals to still be productive despite their propensity to turn the ball over, despite their kind of shaky to below average blocking. Um, So he's a he would be a big loss if he's not close to 100 percent or is out. And then Joe Mixon's also not practicing. I think he's going to be all right, but I think it's going to be an ugly practice week for the Bengals, even though they're at home. San Francisco's the more physical team. It's December football against the injured Bengals team. Yeah, give me the minus one.
2: Yeah, I mean, since week eight, uh, the 49ers offense, between week eight and week 13, number one in EPA per play. Uh, the Bengals, by the way, are 24th. A lot of that is because of play calling, right? I trust the 49ers play calling more so than the, I mean, I think the Bengals play calling is the time is really holds them back. And you're right about the finger. The 49ers secondary injuries are a bit
3: concerning. Um, that's a big loss. And that's chase in fantasy. Chase is like my wide receiver five. He should go off. Uh, that's a big loss. And that's why I say the Niners probably gonna have to throw it a little bit to win this game.
2: Yeah. I don't mind this over. Um, because, I mean, the 49ers offense, I think they could have a lot of success. You also – it doesn't look like a Ouzier is going to play. Yeah. For that the was Bengals. And he's, been, he's been great. I mean, he's been – per PFF, I think he's been a top-10 corner this year.
3: Logan Wilson, he, big loss.
2: At the Logan Wilson yeah. is out. He's been playing as their best linebacker in a group that's probably their weakness. And that's not good against the San Fran team that can run on anyone and has a healthy George Kittle. The other really – you know, the other talented piece that gets – kind of gets pressure. The Bengals aren't a team that's going to get a ton of pressure off the edge, but Terry Hendrickson is going to be the one that has to supply that. Well, you have Trent Williams to kind of neutralize him. So, yeah, I agree. I think that – I mean, this Bengals team is very Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde, but um, I I think the 49ers are a clear superior team here. I think where the 49ers would actually get a leg up in the injury department is if Debo Samuel is actually able to
3: play. Oh, yeah. He's day-to-day. I don't think he's going to play, but there's a chance – Warner, Warner so, practice too. So that's also big when you have yeah. like Burrow Mixon and, uh, and Higgins, you know, messed up having Warner back there. That really stabilizes the defense, which is another reason why I jumped on uh, San Francisco early.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't mind San Fran. I don't mind the over here. All right. For my first pick of the Sunday six pack, I am going with the Cleveland Browns minus two and a half against the Baltimore Ravens keep trying to keep my undefeated streak alive on Ravens games. <laughs> Unfortunately I have to in the Sunday six pack, I have to f- fade them for a second straight a week. I was so happy that Harbaugh went for two last week because of my bet. And I think that the Ravens will ultimately end up beating like either the Rams or Packers at home, maybe the Bengals. And then they'll close out the year with the Steelers with a win at home to get the 10 wins, which will get them into playoffs. But I don't think this team is, is going anywhere. They're just, look, you get in and anything can happen, but, um, They're not going to get the one seed. It doesn't look like I should say that there's just too many injuries. It's like the, all the fail safes of the dam have broken. I mean, all the injuries, they've already led the NFL and IR players on the IR. And then last week you lose Marlon Humphrey, who is all pro corner. One of the best corners in the NFL. And now you don't have three of your original four starting defensive backs. It is rough. They also lost their right tackle, and that ended up being a huge factor. Things won't get any better this week against the Browns edge rush. But this is horrible situational spot for the Ravens. I, I just can't think of a worse one. I mean, this is the, the Browns are coming off of a late season bye, which they desperately needed, right? You get they were really banged up. Baker Mayfield in particular, they needed some rest. They, you know, played 12 straight weeks without a bye. Before the bye week, they played the Ravens in Baltimore. And again, they probably should have won. And they have two weeks. So they're prepared for the Ravens for a week. They have two weeks to rest and prepare for the Ravens. Again, they've basically have been preparing for the Ravens for three weeks. And this game basically determines their season. They lose this game. They're done, presumably. They win this game. They're back in the mix, in the division, in the wild card. And they've had three weeks to prepare. Meanwhile, the Ravens last week were on the road. This be their secondary road game in Pittsburgh I at a really physical game that went right down to the wire and they lost two key players and got beat up. So, I mean, just situationally, this is a dream spot for the Browns. You finally have Hunt and Chubb healthy. You know, the receivers are getting healthier. Mayfield got time to heal up their breath. Their defense is as healthy as it's been all year. You know, this Ravens team just isn't playing well. Uh, and this is my team, by the way, I'm going to be at the game in uh in Ravens here with a Browns oh, nice. minus two and a half ticket. <laughs> So that should be interesting. But since week six, Ravens offense, 22nd EPA per play, 26th in dropback EPA per play. Their defense, 26th in EPA per play, 28th in dropback EPA per play. There's regression coming. If you look at the regression profiles of both teams, Ravens number one in the NFL in third down defense. Cleveland is 26th. Yet the Browns are second in success rate, 12th in EPA per play on early downs. The Ravens are 28th in epa per play on early downs 10th in success rate meanwhile the browns are getting healthier and coming off by and the ravens are not getting any healthier ravens offense also 70 percent on fourth down number one in the nfl they're always going to be probably up there more towards the top but the browns you would think too but they're 43 percent. that's 26 how about the ravens defense number one in red zone d cleveland 27th so there's a lot of, I think, regression coming for both of these teams. I just don't think Lamar Jackson also is completely healthy right now. He just looks a little off. I, you know he's, he's dealt with an illness. He's dealt with an injury this year. Since week seven, only Trevor Lawrence and Tyrod Taylor have been worse in terms of EPA plus completion percentage over expectation among 34 quarterbacks with at least 100 snaps. That's bad. So, I mean, there's something going on with this Ravens offense. It's not right. And they were just, look, this team has been kind of smoke and mirrors for a lot of the year. They went stick before last week when they lost the one possession game. And by the way, there's a reason they went for two. They must've really liked the play, but John Harbaugh, after the game said, we didn't have any corners left. That's not what you want to hear in, in going into week 14, you know, before last week when they lost that one possession game, they were six and 0 in one possession games, including two in overtime. Many of them, crazy comebacks in the fourth quarter first you know third team in the last 40 years to have five fourth quarter comeback victories in their first 10 games so this team was a lot of smoke and mirrors i think they're trending in the wrong direction i think the browns get the revenge in a great situational spot so give me cleveland laying under a field goal here
1: i'll take any motherfucker's money if he giving it away
3: I guess the only way for me to continue is to give you my second overall pick and the third overall pick of the Sunday six-pack because I'm going with your Baltimore Ravens plus two-and-a-half against the Cleveland Browns. I hear you. Baltimore's not playing well, but I think Baltimore wins this you're game. You're fading me in a Ravens game? I'm this fading you wild. in a Ravens game. Hey, you're due for regression, too. What are you, It's like eight straight Ravens cup, uh you're, you're right on, but uh, that's true. I do think there are some things that, that benefit the Ravens here. And, and like, listen, I, I, I get it. I've watched every game. I've seen, I know Baltimore is not playing well. I bet against them last week. You know, we both did, but look, I look at Baltimore and let's start with the defense because everyone's worried about Marlon Humphrey's absence. That's big. He's one of, he's their best corner. I get it. But you're playing Cleveland. There, there might not be a better team this side of Detroit to play Without cornerbacks, than against Cleveland, because what does Cleveland want to do? They want to run the ball. They don't even have Odell Beckham to give you that like that that sense of you got to cover more than one guy. So now it's just all Jarvis Landry. uh, So and like you can you can take care of that because Cleveland it's not like Jarvis Landry is going deep every play. Or anything like that. Yeah, you could. They could have Schwartz back this week. You could have Higgins activated. Oh come on, people's Anthony Jones Schwartz and Re- both of these guys have been healthy scratches. Like those. Like all right, th- those guys aren't consequential receivers. Like you wouldn't add anything to the spread for Cleveland if those guys played. Is what I'm saying. Like, no, those- but you're saying potential deep threats to worry about. Like Schwartz
2: will just be. Yeah, oh, on no but now. I'm saying but like
3: people, people's jokes. You're gonna single cover now. those dudes regardless. Is my point. Like Beckham. It's like you're. You might shift safety. Like you do things with your safeties. Uh, but all right, let's look at. Baltimore ski. Maybe they play a little more zone now that they don't have corners, but we know Wink Martindale. He he's plays man and he's going to play man. Cleveland uh, averages almost a yard more per attempt versus zone than man coverage. So I still think Baltimore's going to play man. And they, I still think they can because even if you have Higgins and Schwartz and all those guys healthy, Jamarcus Bradley, whoever you're going to single cover those guys. So I don't actually think the Humphrey loss changes their scheme in this game. Now, yeah. Everyone's like down in the Baltimore defense right now. And yes, we know that third down red zone does regress to the mean. It's, it's hard to continue, but you're still talking about the number one third down defense and the number one red zone defense. Baltimore still knows how to play situationally. They're better coached. I think on both sides of the ball, but more importantly, and this speaks to what happened with Cleveland. They got Baltimore to turn it over four times with Lamar Jackson on those interceptions. And they lose 16 to 10. Why? Because Cleveland offensively is terribly situationally. They're 25th on third down and they're 22nd in the red zone. They're also 27th on fourth down in all, on offense. So this Cleveland team, it's like, to me, the Cleveland team is kind of smoke and mirrors too. It's like, and I've, I've been wrong on Cleveland. I bet I bet them, you know, I won the betting on them, betting the Bengals against them, but uh, lost the bet on them. Uh, with New England, they got blown out. But I think this is why. They struggle with the situational football. You know, I know they're a little bit healthier, but Baker Mayfield still messed up. Like, I'll take Lamar over Baker. Um, Even this version of Lamar over Baker, who's thrown more, turned it over more than he's had touchdowns over the past six weeks. I'll still take that version of Lamar over Baker. And then the same issues with Cleveland extend to the defensive side of the ball. Situationally, 26 on third down, 27th in the red zone. So Cleveland might have the better metrics and they might be able to move it up and down the field. Uh, and you might feel good about your, you know, your bet at certain points, but I guarantee you there's going to be a point where Cleveland just goes and just messes this staying up. And then, so let's look at the other side though. Baltimore on offense. I know Baltimore has been struggling lately, but this could be a get right game for, for Baltimore. Number one, I don't think Jackson's going to throw four picks again, you know, after this, they just played him a few weeks ago, but Cleveland runs zone at the fourth highest rate. Uh, they're probably going to do that in this game because it's it's hard to play man coverage on the Ravens. Um, really, the Dolphins were the only team I think that's done a truly successful job at that um, this year. Uh, but two yards more per target is Baltimore versus zone than man. And remember, Cleveland zone fourth highest rate, eight point five versus zone six point five versus man. So you'd like to play man against Baltimore. I don't know if Cleveland does it. That hasn't been their tendency. Uh, and then situationally Cleveland coming off the buy, but a lot of the value of those like has been bit out lately. You haven't really seen an edge with home teams, home favorites coming off a buy, but we have seen an edge with hardball in these spots. That loss against Pittsburgh was the first time in Harbaugh's career that Baltimore did not cover in a divisional road game from week 10 on, excluding week 17. Cause a lot of times you're dealing with rest, but from weeks 10 to 16, the Baltimore Ravens under Harbaugh, 11-1-2, 92% against the spread in divisional road games. The Ravens are 30-21 and 21 with three pushes, 59% against the spread uh, with Harbaugh as a road underdog. And Lamar Jackson's still 61% uh, against the spread in his career on the road. So uh, I think the Ravens are still the better team here. I get that Cleveland's coming off the bye. Ravens are playing well. Uh, I just I just see some advantages for the Ravens in this spot namely that i don't think the humphrey loss is going to hurt as much in this game and by the way the ravens are still top five in DVOA against the run and their eighth in pressure rate mayfield 33rd of 37 quarterbacks in pff grade under pressure so i just think this is a mayfield pressure spot i think i still think you're going to see some blitzes i because i still think you can play man coverage even without humphrey so uh yeah let's go head to head with the good old four-point swing uh for our contest in this one because i some a lot of times if we have the same pick i'll go with it for like a one pointer but uh, i i i honestly like the ravens as a top two pick uh this week so i, I don't let's feel battle. good about and, it uh, but uh
2: <laughs> i'll uh yeah let's let's battle it i i agree with you the dubai is uh a bit overrated but I, this is a different situation in that you're playing the same team you played before the bye like how long does that happen but
3: you won um, while committing four turnovers and I, I get that like that's supposed to reverse but like that's the whole point it's like cleveland still couldn't win that game <laughs> like what makes yeah, you think you they're get, gonna win you this way
2: it is unprecedented that you get three <laughs> three straight weeks of preparation for one team <laughs> with your season on the line i think the sense of urgency will be with Cleveland here and they should look a lot healthier. I think after this bye week, they've been, de- I mean, they've needed a buy yeah. I think more than any other team in the NFL. All right, let me move on to my second pick of the Sunday six pack. I'm going with the Buffalo bills. You can get a cheap hook out there. Will you give me a cheap hook? I'll owe you a cheap
3: hook. Uh, Okay. Wait, wait, can, you get what, a, can I get the, you can, get can I get the 0.5 for San Francisco? <laughs> so they just have to sure. win the game. All right. Yeah. So you could get the three and a half then. Cause yeah, at bed MGM, just to be clear. And the reason we're doing this is because at bed MGM, the Niners are minus one and the bills are plus three, but you, there are spots you could get a three and a half. Uh, so I'll give you that for the contest so that if they lose by three, uh, you win that since we don't, we don't reward pushes here on the action ever yep. podcast. So yeah, I I would, you need to, and I
2: wouldn't play this at three, um, but I would play this at three and a half and it's at bed MGM right now. It's a juice three towards the, Bucks. Look, when I look at this game, the Bills last week basically shot themselves in the foot. They were playing in conditions that ended up not favoring them. I mean, the wind was so much worse than I thought, but their play calling on first down was awful. They were trying to run it. They were too afraid of the wind. And I really didn't take much from that game. It's one of those just crazy games that you can't really take. I mean, the the Patriots completed, what, one pass the entire game. Just a wild game, one of those wild weather games that you can't take too much from. The Bills are still number one in the NFL in DVOA defense. They've been a little Jekyll and Hyde on offense, which I'll get into, but their defense has been pretty dominant all year long outside of one game against the Colts. Power running team that you know just was on a mission that day, playoff revenge and came out and just whooped their ass. You're going to have a couple of games like that every year. But other than that, their defense has been dominant, and the loss of Trey White does hurt, and it will hurt here. But I like – I don't mind Dane Jackson as a backup. He's going to be – look, you're going to have to give him more help. You're not going to be able to be as flexible without Trey White. He's one of the best corners in the AFC. But I don't think they have just a, you know, complete scrub on the outside of corner. Brady's going to be able to move the ball here, but this isn't a power running team. This isn't – I mean, maybe if they, if they want to come out and run with Fournette, fine. I mean, yeah, take the ball out of Brady's hands. And, but this is like a team that the Bills match up pretty well with. And on the other side of the ball, this is the team that I think, after, especially after last week, when the Bills – they're a very smart, analytically driven staff, one of the best staffs in the entire NFL. I think they shit the bed last week. Oh, but yeah. after seeing them fail – Trying to run on first downs and run on first downs. You've seen them make drastic corrections on a week-to-week basis after a loss. I don't think you see them try to run once here, and you're not going to be able to run on Tampa. Tampa's secondary, dealing with some injuries, you know, they've dealt with they've been shuffling in guys in and out. All your Jamel Dean's and concussion protocol. But I think Josh Allen can attack this secondary. I, I just think this is a great match up for the bills especially if you're getting the hook here i still think the bills i saw the bill's power rate is the second best team in the nfl i would take them plus three and a half against anybody on any field anytime. they are completely desperate for this win and it's a team that you know you look at their record and you say look there's seven and five why why is their offense so much different than last year well josh allen's accuracy has regressed a little bit He's looked pretty good, though, the past couple of weeks. I mean, he even, in, even look, made some great throws in 50-mile-an-hour wind gusts, but had his, probably his best game of the year against the Saints. But they've also dealt with a lot of other issues. They had you know, Spencer Brown, their right tackle, John Feliciano, who I think will be back this week. They've only played in two games together, and they put up 31 and 38 points against the Chiefs and the Titans. When they, when they don't have Spencer Brown on the right side, they put Williams at tackle. It's a disaster. And, and Allen has been under fire and pressure from all avenues all the time. There's also just an v- extremely unlucky aspect to this Bills team this year, and I think there's major regression coming. Look at all their one-possession losses. What are they, one-in-five in, in one-possession games this year? So they've been right there. Their EPA's per penalties lost, their EPA's per turnovers lost. So all their penalties and turnovers have come in like just so such critical times. Variants, fluky how about their fourth down offense 33 percent. i mean so there is just a lot of things on this offense that i think have been unlucky spencer brown now back at right tackle wide receivers are now healthier i mean beasley was dealing with some issues and i think they just come out and throw and Allen can attack this secondary which has just been trying to find its continuity all year desperate bills team off the loss needing a win Bucks just kind of—I mean, they—they they obviously are still going to have incentive to win every game, but they're sitting pretty, right? They're—they're they're winning the
3: division. Did they clinch? Did they clinch the division already? If they beat the Bills, they probably don't lose again all year. I mean, they have Carolina, they have the Jets. Like, this is it's a pretty yeah. doable schedule for the Bucs.
2: Yeah, so they're kind of like fat and happy and kind of relaxed here. And this is an out-of-conference game against the Bills. Do that? I don't think they really show everything. I think the Bills come out with their hair on fire with a great game plan well prepared can Brady lead them back at the end and Bucks win by a field goal and then the loss of Trey White hurts sure Um, but I think the Bills are gonna win this game I still trust them but I do need the hook you can get a plus three and a half out there for minus 115 which is fine so give me the Bills let's circle the wagons
3: yeah I have this at three so I can't fault you for taking it with the hook the one thing that worries me, I, I do think, you know, Tampa Bay's run defense doesn't matter as much against the Bills. At least it shouldn't because the Bills shouldn't want to run here. I think both offenses will have success. My worry is Tampa Bay at home has been even better offensively. That's when they've been at their best. And I really am worried about the loss of Trey White because not just his skills, but look at the Bills starting corners with, uh, what is it, Johnson, Wallace, and uh, what's it Dane Jackson, None of those guys weighs more than 192 pounds. Now, that's going to be tough going against Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, who's one of the bigger slots. uh, And now Brashad Perriman is starting outside. He's a big guy as well. But more importantly, as you kind of alluded to, without Trey White, you're going to have to give your corners help. On Evans, especially on Godwin, who just went straight nuclear last week. But what does that do? That takes away from the Bills – tight end defense because the bills remember they're they're every year you can pretty much bank on them being top five against the tight end like they are excellent against the tight end because of their two safeties but if those guys have to give help now what are you doing with rob Gronkowski because that normally would be an advantage for the bills you know one of the better tight end defenses best tight end defenses in the league uh, so i just worry that they're going to be able to get exploited on defense so it really is going to be a shootout um, so, yeah, with the hook, I, I don't hate it, but uh, it's I, I, I worry about their margin for error. Like if if they don't convert like one of their red zone trips or something like that, uh, it might be rough out there because the Bucks. I think the Bucks are going to be able to throw on this team just because of the, uh, the size advantage they're going to have at pretty much every receiving position. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with this one uh, for my third and the fifth overall pick of the week 14 Sunday six pack. I am holding my nose and betting against the green Bay Packers with the Chicago bears plus 12 and a half in Lambeau. No one's going to be on this. I mean, I think something like 81% of the bets, 97% of the money is on the Packers here. Is it this who's is too- starting at quarterback? That's all I need to know. I, I Justin, Fields, he's Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Has he's been confirmed. Yep. He's starting. As we record this on Wednesday, the reports are that Justin Fields will start this Sunday night game. Uh, I will have a write-up on this, but listen, it's ugly. This is not for everybody, but this is what we do here. I looked up and down the slate, and this is the third best pick that we picked here, and Green Bay has played 12 games this year. They've been great. Well, they have two losses against the spread. They're 10-2 and two against the spread. They played 12 games this year. Through Only three of them have ended with Green Bay winning by 13 or more points. Three of them, okay? Chicago has played 12 games this year. There's four and eight. We know how bad they've been. Only three times all year have they lost by 13 or more points. So this is just too many points, especially the total for this game is around 43 and a half. Uh, Late season divisional game, we know those tend to be tight. You're in Lambo. you know, cold weather game. Road underdogs since 2003, getting 11 or more with a total of 46 or less, are 131-92-1, and one, 59% against the spread. When you look at only divisional games, it jumps to 54-31, and 31, 64% against the spread. Rogers still taking some practice time off. He did not practice Wednesday with the toe injury. Devontae Adams didn't practice. I mean, this is going to be a game where Green Bay wants to handle its business, hold serve at home, get out of here with a win. But I don't think you're going to get Green Bay's best stuff. I think. Don't think that this team should be favored by 12 and a half when they won three games per year by 13 or more. Uh, and same thing with Chicago. And I think Justin Fields, listen, it's been ugly earlier on, but I think he's kind of turned a corner in terms of understanding when to scramble. He rarely scrambled in his first few starts, uh, but in the last few, he scrambled a lot more. If they're going to play him, that means he's good to go. Uh, I don't think they would risk any type of injury here, So I'm banking on him being able to, To run around a little bit. Uh, I know Green Bay looks like they might even get Jair Alexander back, although without Allen Robinson, I don't think it's as big of a deal. I mean, you know, I don't think Allen Robinson is going to play anyway. But uh, I just think the Bears are going to be able to run it with Montgomery, keep it within, you know, maybe maybe they lose by eleven again, kind of like they did to the Cardinals. But that's that kind of shows you, you know, you had this Cardinals game. Cardinals, one of the if not the best team in the NFL right now. Uh, it ends on 11. Maybe you get a backdoor with fields here. You know, I trust him a little more than Dalton. So uh, just too many points here when both of these teams have only done this in 25% uh, of their game. So give me the bears plus 12 and a half at the Packers.
2: Yeah. I think that this, yeah, this line is too high. So I agree with you and I'm not surprised that the Packers off by how much they've been covering and yeah how bad the bears have been that it is too high. You're, you're paying a tax on the Packers here. So I agree. I, I probably will join you on the bears. It's in a dead zone right now. Maybe I want to see if we can maybe get to 13. So I would recommend that. Well, I know it's your play, but it's at 12 and a half right now. Yeah, we have 97% of, play, of the money. it goes to 12, if it goes to 11 and a half, that's not a big deal. Games rarely end on 12, but there's a lot more value if it goes up. And, yeah. you know, as we get closer to Sunday night, um, but I, I agree. I think this line is too high when these two teams played. In, and remember, it's a divisional game, so home field doesn't mean as much. There's more familiarity, There's it's less travel. And, you know, when these two teams met early in the year, when Justin Fields started, David Montgomery was out for that game. The line was, I think it opened at Packers minus four, and then it closed minus five. And now you're out to the 12 and a half. You know, the Packers have been good, but they've been, yeah, I, they were at that time, they were four and one, and the Bears were two and three. So you made some adjustments. I think that this line should be probably around 10. So I think I do agree that the value is with the Bears. And in that game, the Packers won 24-14. to 14. There were some questionable calls um, made against the Bears. There was a, third, a fourth and four free play, third and four free play. But they didn't call the offsides, clear offsides. And Fields just thought it was a free play. By the way, that happened to the Bills and they didn't call it on the Patriots. Fields just threw it up, as he should, because it's a free play. And it was picked in the end zone. Uh, but in that game, the Packers ended up scoring late, a touchdown late. And then Aaron Rodgers... You know, talk shit. Said I own you. So don't don't sleep on that. The locker And These are still professionals for the Bears, right? Who are, we are we own you. We own you. I think that they'll be fired up for this game. Packers kind of sitting nice and fat and happy, and they've covered so much that they're definitely overvalued here. But in that game with Fields and Robinson not playing, the Bears were in it. Yeah. You know, it was the yardage was three twenty three to two seventy seven. So I think that they can move the ball on the ground. The only turnover in the game was that pick that was on the free play. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. All right, for my third pick of the Sunday six-pack and the sixth overall, I'm going with the Carolina Panthers minus two and a half at BetMGM at home against the Atlanta Falcons. This game is awful. I can't believe I'm taking the Panthers. Uh, Yeah, after what I saw (laughs) from Cam Newton against the Dolphins. Uh, Panthers coming off a bye here. This is as crazy as it sounds this is a true elimination game i can't believe the falcons are like even in that discussion but with an extra wild card right now they are what one game out of the final wild card spot that's insane so the loser this game goes to five and eight good night you're done um winner goes to six and seven and there's a shot you know the panthers cam newton looked horrific and there's no two ways about it he couldn't throw the ball but I think against this Falcon, I just think this Falcons team is terrible. I make this line four. This Falcons team, again, still from a DVOI perspective, they're dead last in the NFL. And even if you look at weighted DVOI, which weights recent results, they're still bottom five. I mean, they've all been awful all year. Here are their wins, right? They got how are they have five wins. I think their estimated wins are like two and a half. Let's see who they beat. They beat the Giants by three when all, the entire Giants team got hurt in the second half. You remember that game?
1: Yes, um, like all the well.
2: position players went down. They beat Zach Wilson in London earlier in the year. They beat Trevor Simeon by three. All these were by one possession, by the way. They beat the Dolphins early in the year when they were a mess by two. And again, the Dolphins should have won, I think. And then they beat the Jags by one possession last week. Those are their wins. Jags, Dolphins is a mess, Trevor Simeon, Zach Wilson in London, and the Giants when their whole team got hurt, all by one possession. I mean, this is a really bad team. There's still no Calvin Ridley. Panthers are coming off of a bye. Fire Joe Brady little bit of an unknown some surprise factor. What's the offense going to look like? But, you know, I don't trust Cam Newton to throw much. Didn't last year. Don't this year. But at least he's not going to be under any pressure. Falcons are dead last the NFL pressure. They get none. So at least Newton won't have any pressure. And I think the Panthers are going to come out and they're going to lean on their run game here. And you can run on the Falcons. The Falcons don't give a lot of explosive runs, but you can move the ball methodically. Yep against Atlanta the 32nd not only the 32nd Justin they the 32nd in power success rate like you can just get those three to four yards Cam Newton I think running the ball will be a huge factor here. against any running quarterback who wasn't dealing with an injury this year running quarterbacks against the Falcons like Hurts Daniel Jones Tua Trevor Lawrence let's throw Sam Darnold in here for the last game, he ran eight, eight times for 66 yards against the Panthers. Yeah, two concussions. Me, against the Falcons. Yeah. the Opposing quarterbacks in those games have averaged 7.3 yards per carry. So I think Cam Newton can have some success running the ball. This Falcons team is just terrible in all phases. And the Panthers basically had two weeks to prepare off of an awful defensive effort. I think their defense at home here, a must-win, crowd will be on their side. Their defense is going to play up here. And last time the Matt Ryan faced his defense, it was a disaster. He did absolutely nothing. I think he threw for 140 yards. They basically have to come into this game and say, all right, let's cover Kyle Pitts and let's look at the film and find out how we're taking away Cordero Patterson. That's it. The, the Falcons can't run it at all. Panthers can just be balls to the wall. I'm going after Matt Ryan here, an immobile statuesque Matt Ryan, and we have to cover two guys. That's it. I think this is an easy defensive assignment for the Panthers – I think getting them under a field goal, there's value here after what we saw from Cam Newton two weeks ago. I think this Falcons team is a a joke, a bottom five team. They have five joke wins. So I'll take the Panthers coming off a bye at home with the only competent unit in this game, above average competent unit, is the Panthers defense. December game at home in division. I think that'll ultimately be the difference.
3: And you got Matt Ryan outdoors, which. He was bad yep. indoors 20 of 27 for 146 with a touchdown and two picks indoors. He's always worse outdoors. Uh, so I agree. I'll have more in this game when we talk about the total. And, and yeah, by the way, Gilmore didn't play in that
2: game. They have, they, they've had a Gilmore yeah. since.
3: That's going to wrap it up for the week 14 Sunday six pack as a recap. Stucky going with Cleveland minus two and a half against Baltimore, Buffalo plus three and a half at Tampa and the Panthers minus two and a half hosting the Falcons. I'm going with the 49ers minus a half point against the Bengals, Baltimore plus two and a half going head to head with Stucky here at Cleveland and then the bears plus 12 and a half at green Bay. That is going to do it for, the six pack presented by Athletic Brewing Company, whose innovative process allows them to brew great tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to golden ales and more, they offer a full selection of craft brews starting at only 50 calories. With two custom breweries in Connecticut and California, they've created a lineup of styles loaded with accolades, including the 2020 World Beer Award Gold Medal for their flagship IPA, Run Wild. With full flavor, low calories, and no chance of a hangover, Athletics Brews lets you enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime and anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping when you order two or more six-packs and enjoy 10% off your order with promo code ACTION10. That's action one Cheers. And now it's time for our Week 14 Coach's Pep
1: Talk. You keep playing the way you're playing, we're gonna get our ass beat again tonight.
3: This week's pep talk comes to us from beloved actor Charlie Day. And we're dedicating it to Houston Texans head coach David Cully. <laughs> guys, you know, uh look, you try to be a nice guy, right? And and treat
0: everyone with respect, but you don't get it. You don't get it back in return. You know why? Because nice guys, they finish last. And, and you're, you're going to f- say, hey, I'm a nice guy. I- I'm doing okay. And the world is going to unzip its pants, pull them down, and take a giant f-ing all over you guys. I just can't win, guys. I cannot win.
3: I don't know, Stuck, if you've ever seen Cully on the sidelines, I w- wouldn't imagine you'd be watching a lot of Texans games. But uh, I don't know. This dude just just looks like a nice guy, you know? Just just a nice guy. Clothes are probably a size too big. I think he should size down. We're not doing that whole baggy thing. I think kind of went out with the 90s. So got shut out last week. Scored three points in in two games against the Colts. Now they play the Seahawks, who somehow are probably still alive as well. So, yeah, dedicating this one to David Cully, man. Go out there and stop being so nice. All right. Now it's time for our favorite total of the week. Start us off with the total.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go. You just mentioned David Cully. This one is ugly. But I'm going to go with the Texans. Seahawks over 42 at that
3: MGM. Wait, wait, wait. So you essentially mean the Seahawks over 42. I think the well, <laughs> I think that the Seahawks can get
2: to 31. Um and here's the the competent offenses that the Texans have faced this year. The Browns got to 31. The Bills got to 40. The Patriots got to 25. That's the best they've done. Colts got to 31, the Cardinals got to 31, the Rams got to 38, and then the Colts got to 31 again. That's it. Those are the competent offenses that they face. They beat the Titans 22 to 13, the entire Titans offense was out. I don't don't count that game. This total has come way down because it Davis Mills is going to start for the Texans. Before I was I was I was rushing to bet the Texans with Terra. Tyra Tyreek Tyre has been awful. Whatever the number is earlier, I don't know what is going on with him or or what? but he's been the worst quarterback in the NFL by any metric over the past five to six weeks. Not that he has a ton of help, but I don't think it's a big drop-off from what we've seen to tie Tower. Davis Mills didn't play since October, late October, actually got in a game last week. Wasn't effective, but actually got some live game reps. Uh, I think that this, number one, the Seahawks offense, I would look, my total last week was the Seahawks 49ers over. The Seahawks offense, I think, is going to put up points the rest of the year. This is a team, I think Russell Wilson, Looked a little healthier last week. Now he's at that eight-week mark. That's when they said he's going to be healthy originally, and he came back way too soon, I think. But this is a Seahawks offense that if you look at their early-down EPA, their early-down success rate, it is very good. And then on third and fourth downs, they've been – they're 31st in the league. Only the Lions have been worse on offense. So there was some regression coming for this offense. Russell Wilson healthier. Hey, also, Pete Carroll, I guess, just said, fuck it, nothing to lose. Let's start doing crazy shit. Last week, right? Fake punt, went for it another fourth down. He went for it on fourth and one at the five up seven. When does he ever do that? Um, and by the way, that game, the the Seahawks, they should have scored about about 14 more points because yep. of Gerald Everett drops at the one that got picked. So I think this offense is gonna start to roll and it's gonna start they're gonna start to be just more aggressive in a, like an effort. We have nothing to lose mentality. On the other side, I think the Seahawks defense is terrible and they have been running extremely well. Like they, I mean, you look, they're fourth in red zone D, fifth in scoring D, but they're 29th in EPA per play and 31st in success rate on early downs. So this team is just getting very lucky on third and fourth downs, very lucky in the red zone. They're getting opportune turnovers and the, and the Seahawks offense is different. So this is one of the reasons I had the, over in the Seahawks 49ers game last week. And, and by the way, the Seahawks have 31st, an EPA per play and 31st success rate on late downs. That's worse than the, the Texans offense, by the way. So I think the Seahawks can get to 31 here as any competent offense, except the Patriots have done. Can the Texans get to 13? I think so. I think the Seahawks defense has a lot of regression coming with mills playing also. There's more risk for turnovers. And, you know, I, I think they get to 13 they've gotten to 13 in half of their games so they scored 37-21, you know, 22 against the Pats at home, 22 against the Rams at home. So I think there's also a chance where the Seahawks blow this open and then you're getting late some late garbage points too, which we've seen in a couple games. So, yeah, I think that this line has come down way too much for a game indoors in December for a Seahawks offense that I think has some regression coming, defense that has some negative regression coming. I think Mills will look a little better this week. They can put two touchdowns on the board, whether it's late in a blowout or one early, one late. I think that there's a good chance this this goes to you know hits 44 or 45 points with ease. I think 42 is way too low.
3: Seahawks also without Jamal Adams now he's been placed on IR, so he's out. For, he's done for the year. Uh, it looks like yep. not good for their defense. I almost wonder though. I mean, you kind of hit it. Seahawks probably going to get to 31. Texans have struggled to get past 13. Do you you also like the Seahawks here, or is this more of just like a tease piece?
2: Yeah, I don't mind teasing the Seahawks. i make the line right on, but if I had to pick a side, um, I I do think that there's enormous... Like, I could see the Seahawks winning this game, like, you know, being up 31-17 late and then giving up a backdoor touchdown or something. I do think there's a lot of regression coming for the Seahawks' defense. They've just been really lucky in the red zone and the scoring department, and you're going to see... I think that starts to turn around towards the end of the year while the offense starts to translate yards and early down success into points and late down success. So um, I personally make the line. Let me check. It's 7.9. So I'm not rushing to lay seven and a half on the road, but um, if, you know, if I had a better, I think the Seahawks probably cover more times than not, but I prefer the over.
3: All right. For my favorite total of the week, I'm going Panthers. Falcons under 42 and a half. I don't even have to say much because you kind of weighed out already uh, how this game is going to turn out. But I'll I'll just kind of tell you what's going on in Carolina, as you alluded to. They fired their offensive coordinator over the bye week, Joe Brady. Why do they do that? Philosophical differences. Matt Rule wants to run, quote, 33 to 39 times per game. That is perfect for an under because the reason the Falcons would give up overs is because they're dead last in pressure rate. Well, it doesn't matter how much pressure they're getting if Carolina doesn't want to throw the ball and half the time they throw the ball, it's really just like Cam Newton's probably just going to scramble out of there anyway. So that's great on one side of it. Then on the other side of it, you have Carolina that is top two in pressure rate on defense. So they're going to get all of the pressure on Atlanta who has no receivers. And I'm including Kyle Pitts in this, has no receivers that are going to be able to consistently uncover from this Carolina secondary. That's just can lock up. They can play man and blitz if they want. Uh, They could sit back, but either way they're going to lock up. So this first matchup was indoors in Atlanta. Atlanta had the home field advantage. Matt Ryan completes 20 of 27 passes. That sounds good, right? 146 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. He also gets sacked three times. Kyle Pitts, six targets, two catches, 13 yards. So Tajay Sharp was the leading receiver. It wasn't Kyle Pitts. It wasn't even Cordero Patterson. Russell Gage, you might say, okay, Falcons could get some things going with Russell Gage, right? Last week, 11 catches, 130 yards on 12 targets, brilliant against Tampa Bay, Keep, kept him in that game for a little while. First matchup against Carolina, Russell Gage started the game, Goose egg, no targets, no catches. I don't see how Atlanta has gets offense in this game. Now they're one of the worst defenses. But again, that's mitigated by the fact that Carolina wants to run 35 times or more in this game. And like you said, Stuck, Atlanta's not necessarily giving up the huge explosive plays. It's just going to be methodical four or five-yard runs up and down the field. Clock's going to run. Carolina's not going to do nothing crazy. They won the first matchup 19-13. You know, so they're not going to, they're not going to come out and feel like they have to be aggressive here, especially after Cam Newton goes five of 21. Uh, maybe you see a a trick play or some wrinkle for a touchdown. Uh, with the new offensive coordinator. But given that the old one was fired for not running enough, even without Christian McCaffrey, uh, I think we know what type of game we're going to get here. And on top of that, second matchup late in the year, divisional game, divisional unders and 1 p.m. And I think the reason why they're, they hit the highest at 1 p.m. is because public anxious to get action, public tends to bet overs, but divisional unders, 1 p.m. Uh, from week 10 on, excluding week 17. Two twenty-seven, one forty-two, and eight. Sixty-two percent the under hits and divisional unders from week ten on, excluding the last week of the year. So that, that also speaks to divisional divisional rematches the second time, right? Out. Yeah, no, we no, no. absolutely, other. absolutely. But it peaks at one p.m., which I just think is interesting. Um, but yeah, no, even if you just filter out everything, you're still in the high high fifties, um, regardless of the time, whatever. But specifically outdoors, divisional under, divisional games outdoors in the one p.m. window. 159, 92 and six since 2003, according to our actual labs data, 63%. Panthers are going to be the more physical run heavy team against the Falcons team on the road. That's not going to be able to get offense. Panthers might not need more than the 19 they had last game uh, to win this one. And they're going to be run heavy. So give me the Panthers Falcons under 42 and a half. Uh, I make this 41. I might have to adjust it even, even lower. That's going to wrap it for our favorite totals. Stuck is going with Seattle, Houston over 42. I'm going with Atlanta, Carolina under 42 and a half. Now it is time for our favorite teaser of the week.
2: Oh, yeah. Six point teasers.
0: If you don't want me to-
3: For those not familiar, the standard is six points to add to two or more bets. So six point teaser—that's what we do here on the pod. Stucky has a lot of great content out about which key numbers to tease through and what he's kind of looking for in order to get in a sustained edge on the books with these things. You can Google Stucky teasers or search actionnetwork.com for that content. Stuck, uh, both of our teasers hit last week. Where are you going with your teaser for week 14? I'm going to tease the Rams up over a touchdown.
2: ALBA right up for that game on Monday night. Uh, I'm going to throw them in with the Broncos, tease them their seven and a half point favorite, get them down to one and a half ideal teaser piece, uh, must win at home, uh, against lions who might still be celebrating after their first win.
3: Yeah, I'm teasing Denver as well. Uh, seven and a half down to one and a half essentially means you just have to win the game by a field goal. You could even miss an extra point somewhere in there. But you look at Denver, they're 17th in weighted DVOA overall. Detroit's 30th, so not in the cellar, but they're still one of the three worst teams in the league. Uh, And now you're just betting on Denver to win a game after Detroit. You know, obvious letdown spot. Going two-mile high after they, you know, beat a divisional opponent indoors. Now they have to go two-mile high, you know, still riding high off that victory. I mean, just a really bad letdown spot here for Detroit, you know, getting a monkey off their back, whereas Denver is going to be hungry. I mean, they they got to feel like they let one get away. I mean, They they held the Chiefs to essentially 16 points of offense. And then, you know, they get the unlucky interception that Sorensen takes. Sorensen, of all people, takes back for a touchdown. So, uh, yeah, I think you're going to get Denver's best effort. Detroit, they, they're going to compete. They do every week. But uh, uh, that's why I like teasing them down here. You never want to take that hook, seven and a half. It's a little dicey. Um, in this kind of spot. And then for my second leg, I will go with Seattle tease them down from seven and a half to one and a half as well. This line is is moving. So if you want to tail the teaser, probably want to get to Seattle sooner than than later. Uh, but looking at Houston, as you kind of mentioned, I just don't know how they're going to stop Seattle from getting to 28, 31 points. We've only seen Davis mills eclipse that like 13 point Mark. I think it was one in one or two games. So Uh, I think Seattle teasing them down is going to be safe. Usually, you know, Seattle does play a lot of close games. Uh, Maybe they don't against Houston, but I think it's a a very kind of pretty safe play teasing, getting both uh, two of the worst teams in the NFL to have a combined three wins. And we're in week 14 uh, and you're getting their opponents at one and a half, minus one and a half each. So I love this Seattle Denver teaser. I already put it in the app. Uh, That's what I'm going with this week. All right. So that's going to do it for our favorite teasers as a recap, stuck teasing Denver from seven and a half to one and a half against Detroit and the Rams from two and a half to eight and a half at Arizona. I'm teasing Denver as well from seven and a half to one and a half against the lions and Seattle from seven and a half to one and a half at Houston. Now it's time for our money line underdog parlay. Turning good
2: weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline
1: Parlay.
3: So you had the chargers uh, for your Moneyline dog last week stuck. Uh, I had them in the six pack that cashed. And then we cashed our Moneyline underdog parlay because of the Ravens predictable analytic driven two point conversion that didn't come through. So back on the back off the schneid hit another Moneyline dog parlay. I think it was that sixth or seventh one of the year. We're doing pretty good on these. So uh, we're going to seven week? now. Yeah, definitely in the Can't green. That. Uh, I'm going to go with the Washington
2: football team. I was thinking about taking them plus four. I think it's a tad too high. I mean, sweat going on the COVID list, Thomas going and IR isn't ideal. But this Washington team, they've won four in a row. They Their defense is playing, despite all the injuries up front, their defense is playing a lot better after the bye. Just a lot fewer blown coverages on the back end. They seem to figure out some things during that bye week. And Heineke, I mean – what can you say? I mean, since week seven, he's top five at EPA plus completion percentage over expectation composite. He's like a high risk quarterback is going to make some throws that make you go uh, at, at times. And then sometimes they'll work out. So I think that that's good for uh, a, a money line underdog here in a must win home division game, you know, in A slow track, which I think favors Washington here to kind of slow down Dallas. I think there's still some regression coming for this Dallas defense on third downs. They're holding teams at 31% uh, with turnovers. Their defensive success has been tied a lot to turnovers and interceptions that they've been able to force. So, yeah, I think that Washington, give me a little bit of Heineke magic. They could be in this game divisional. Game outdoors in December for their season, team just riding high with some magic, um, winning by two the past two weeks. It'll come to an end soon, but uh, let's let's give Washington a try here and uh, hope for some Heineken magic.
3: Yeah, you know, Dak tends to do really well against the NFC East. I don't know if that's predictive, but uh, our guy Friedman pointed that out, but I, I this kind of caught me too. I was like. I don't know if Dallas should be getting more than a field goal here on the road. Washington has been playing well. Uh, so I don't hate this at all. Uh, yeah. But question. Dallas is getting healthier too, which is like, you know, they're going
2: to be getting Lawrence they got Lawrence back. It looks like Gregory's going to come back. Their defensive tackle Galmore is coming back. Their offensive line finally is fully intact. Um, but Pollard didn't practice today. So maybe they come out and sometimes the Dallas is dumb. They just hand it to Zeke a lot. So, yeah, it is, Dallas is getting healthier. Washington has more injury concerns. But home, divisional dog, high variance, Heineke. Let's hope the Washington Magic continues.
3: For my Moneyline underdog pick for week 14, I am going with the New York football Jets. Gang green, plus 190 at home against the New Orleans Saints. Guess which team has more wins over the last six weeks? The Jets or the Saints. It's the Jets. They have two. Saints have one. Guess, guess which team has more wins in the last five games? Jets or the Saints? It's the Jets. They have one. The Saints have none. The Saints team is – they're just dead in the water. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this game gives them a lot more trouble than we think. You got Taysom Hill dealing with an injury, but yeah, he's going to get the start. Uh, he's liable able to turn the ball over, as we saw with the four picks. Deontay Harris, who has been the Saints' best receiver, and I'm not joking when I say that. You look at yards per route run versus man versus zone, uh, he only plays about 50% of the snaps, but he's been their best receiver uh, on a yards per route basis. He's suspended. Uh, Ramcheck's still not practicing. Armstead did have a limited practice. But Zach Wilson's looking a little better uh, as of late. Elijah Moore is really coming into his own. Uh, that should be a fun matchup between him and Lattimore. But this Saints team they just can't buy a win right now. Like, you know, their defense is solid. I don't think their run defense will matter. You know, their excellent run defense will matter a lot against this jets team. It's not like the jets are going to run the ball on you uh, with a high level of success. So I just think it comes down to weird fluky things. And the saints, you know, a team that usually plays indoors, but yet has lost three of its last five at home, including a loss to the Falcons at home. If you can lose to the Falcons at home, you can lose to the jets on the road. Uh, But the Saints have lost three of the last five at home. Uh, You know, on the road, they have not won a game since beating the Seahawks with Geno Smith, Uh, and they did that by a a slim margin of 13 to 10. So I just think this is going to be a struggle for the Saints. You know, maybe they get a player or two back that's been injured, but I don't think this is going to be an easy game late in the year for a Jets team that their season's already been over. So they're just kind of playing, you know, nice and loose, getting some good special teams plays here. Uh, I just think this could be one of them. You look up on red zone and it's like, oh, we're in the fourth quarter and the Jets are winning 13-7. to And you're like, what? Uh, So give me the Jets, plus 190, uh, hosting the Saints here. Yep, I don't hate it. Elijah Moore dealing with a quad, so hopefully he does
2: play. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I can see the Jets winning this game. The Saints might be done.
3: All right, so you take Washington, plus 160 against Dallas, and the Jets, plus 190 against the Saints. And you have a payout of 6.5X. $100 bet returns $754 uh, according to the Action Network Parlay Calculator, which you can find at ActionNetwork.com or in the free award-winning Action Network app. So our money line Underdog Parlay for this week, Washington plus 160, Jets plus 190.
1: The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 4,700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or one 888 532 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show.
3: And now it is time for the best of the rest, which are the games that we did not Talk about in any other segment. All right, stuck first up. We have the Vegas Raiders going to KC and Arrowhead late in the year. The Raiders are eight and a half point underdogs, the total 47 and a half. I thought about betting the Raiders this week, but it's a pretty public dog, which scares me. You know, I know the Chiefs, they've they first time they covered as a favorite of a touchdown or more than nine tries against Denver and probably should have been a touchdown less on their ledger. So not a lot of, of of offense and offensive consistency, I should say for the chiefs. But what does worry me is that Gus Bradley after being at the forefront of, of kind of slowing down the chiefs a couple years ago, decides that even though he sees all this film of the two eye safeties and everything slowing down KC, you know, make them go down the field, Vegas kind of stuck to what they did and just ran a lot of single high, a lot of cover three, a lot of cover one. And the Chiefs had their best offensive game of the year, pretty much, against Vegas. So that, that is another thing that worries me. But I, uh, it, this line is 10 at some books. It's 8.5 at MGM, which is probably a sharper line given the Chiefs' struggles to cover these big numbers. But I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence here, leaning towards a no bet. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I would lean Vegas here too. But that,
2: the Chiefs are just hard, hard enough to crack Another defense is definitely playing better since a lot yeah. of the personnel changes and got healthier. The third in EPA per play. Seventh in success rate since week eight. Uh, But Mahomes still isn't right. Like last week, the Broncos weren't even playing purely too high. shell the whole game, he was still struggling. He's 30th in EPA plus completion percentage over expectation composite since week seven, just behind Trevor Simeon and just above Jared Goff. There's something off with Mahomes. I don't know if he's overthinking things. Now his receivers dropping balls isn't helping, but he just, something looks off with the offense. But against the Raiders, everything looked great, right, so maybe it does again. Uh, I think that there's a little bit – 10 is a little bit of value in Vegas, but this might be a stay away.
3: Yeah. I'm still really, trying to get
2: just gathering intel on the Chiefs.
3: Yeah. I, really, the defense is playing well. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It Just that if they hadn't played so recently and the Raiders did exactly what I thought they shouldn't have done on defense and the Chiefs exploited it and looked fine, then I would be a lot more willing to play this number. But right here, it's like – uh, we haven't tracked any sharp action on Vegas. So it was just surprising given the line. Um, so, yeah, I might stay away. Um, but, yeah, uh, this might just be like, yeah, like watch the game, gather more intel, like you said. Uh, not a whole lot here. I don't think there's a big edge, uh, even though I do think the number just purely based on the Chiefs' um, offensive struggles might be a tad high. Next game. I keep forgetting this game is on the slate. It's like irrelevant for fantasy. I don't really want to bet it but Jags Titans in Tennessee Titans are nine point favorites. The total is 43 and a half James Robinson, a little banged up Titans could be getting Julio back. He was activated off the IR, which starts his practice window, but uh, just not much offensive to speak of here. I just worry about like silly things on defense, turnovers, special teams, craziness uh, as far as the total, but what do you think here? Pure pass. I, I mean, is Julio going to play? Golden is Golden Tate going to
2: play? <laughs> if they can't, you know, if Julio doesn't play and Golden, like the Titans can't throw the ball. Their nope. defense is playing better. I still think they're an under team. Trevor Lawrence is starting to play worse, which I thought he was going to get better, but he hasn't been great the past couple weeks. I think this line is right on. If Julio doesn't play, um, I'm, I might look under here, but not, nothing great to talk about here.
3: What a twist would, would it be if uh, Zach Wilson ends up being the better rookie quarterback than Trevor Lawrence? down the stretch and to finish the year. And then T Higgins ends up being the better Bengals receiver than Jamar chase. (laughs) Like it's like the way the season started, you're like, no way. But yeah, it's uh, like, the under is tempting 43 and a half key number of 43, maybe check the app, maybe, but just some, my gut kind of tells me it could be kind of all kinds of silliness in this game. And the final one, speaking of silliness, giants, chargers, chargers are 10 point favorites. The total is 44, but we have a lot going on here on both sides. For the Giants, Jake Fromm is probably starting this game because you have Daniel Jones is doubtful with the neck injury. Even though he practiced, he's doubtful. And then Mike Glennon's in the protocol. So no telling if he's going to get cleared. looks like they're preparing as if Fromm is going to start. He's getting the first team reps. Sterling Shepard practiced. Kenny Gallaudet and Kadarius Tony still did not. So could have Shepard and Slayton – uh, is the top two receivers this week. It's a revolving door there every week it seems that at least two of them are hurt, if not all three. And then for the Chargers, Keenan Allen went on the COVID list on Monday, I believe it was. He's vaccinated, has a chance to clear. But now Mike Williams just went on today. So now you just worry about a cluster of COVID for the whole wide receiver room, which now, and Eckler's banged up. You know, he's on the injury report. So now you're just talking about a Chargers offense that, Either one way or another, they're probably not getting a lot of practice time. Now the Giants are coming across country, so Chargers probably can handle business. But uh, it's hard to justify the Chargers as ten point favorites even against a third string quarterback if they don't have their top two receivers. Uh, but I, I, so I don't know. I mean, what do you think of this one? Uh, you,
2: we got to wait till later in the week for more info. Yeah, it's, really There's just way too, way too much uncertainty on Wednesday. Giants tend to make these games close, but like. Jake Fromm, I don't know what he's going to do, throwing the ball. at Who's playing for the Chargers? There's way too much for me to offer any real analysis that, it, that could be completely relevant in the next day or two. So as of right now, pure pass, but stay tuned to the Action Network app to see if we have any plays there.
3: That's going to do it for the best of the rest. Uh, and now let's close it out with our Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. I'll survive. I,
0: I will survive. Oh.
2: The Survivor Pool? Pick
3: of the week. All right. So we were eliminated both in week 12, but uh, you know, just for anyone who's still alive, first of all, congratulations. Uh, we'll just talk about, I guess, who do we kind of favor here among the teams that people may have available for me, I'm looking at uh, Denver against Detroit. It's probably the one that I think people would still have. Uh, I wouldn't hesitate to use them. Yep. I think you know, wet down spot chargers against the giants. I'd be a little hesitant just with the COVID issues. Packers against the Bears, you should probably be fine uh, if you haven't used the Packers yet. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, you know, not practicing. You never never want to lock that in too early, and it's a Sunday night game. So I still think Denver is a better play than them. Seattle, if you haven't used them, I think it's fine. They're on the road, though, so I'd still be in Denver. And then I already talked about New Orleans probably ups, on upset alert, so I'll kind of steer clear of them. What do you think? Yeah, it's uh, Denver week. Okay. That's going to do it. For the Action Network podcast with odds presented by BetMGM and the six-pack courtesy of Athletic Brewing Company. As a reminder, you can follow all of our picks on the award-winning Action Network app. Just search for the Sunday six-pack in the Action Network app's follow feature. You can find Stuck on Twitter, at Stucky2. You can find me, at Chris Raybon, and you can find us at those same handles in the award-winning Action Network app, where you can follow all of our bets and track yours for free. Be sure to check out at actionnetwork.com for all of our betting content, including Stucky's Monday Night Football Breakdown and my Sunday Night Football Breakdown, our fantasy football rankings and projections, which shout out to my guy, Sean Kerner. Him and I finished number one and two at the Fantasy Pros Accuracy Contest for week 13. So uh, check those out and be sure to check out fantasylabs.com for our DFS content, tools, and models. Until next week, let's get this money. Let's go.